Welcome to this special edition of the new Stack Makers on the Road. We're here in beautiful Los Angeles at HashiCom Global. Discussions from the show floor with technologists giving you their expertise and insights to help you with your everyday work. Infrastructure enables innovation. HashiCorp provides consistent workflows to provision, secure, connect, and run any infrastructure for any application. Hey, everyone. We are at HashiConf in Los Angeles, California, and I'm here with Gila Fish, a senior DevOps engineer at Wix. Tell us about Wix. So Wix, first of all, it's an awesome company to work for. Okay. But for a user experience, it's basically a platform for building websites for either tech-savvy people or not. So whether you're you have your ways with computer, then we provide enhanced features for you to incorporate your own code and stuff like that. And if you don't know nothing about computers, we talk you through how to build a website, which is very sophisticated, very professional, and you don't need to know anything about computers in order to achieve a great result. Which must make for a complex back end, but we'll get to that in a second. What we want to cover today is a little bit about how do you make the most of Terraform when scaling your infrastructure as your organization grows? Have you done that? Best practices, some pitfalls to avoid, and what you need to do to keep scaling across your teams and avoid refactoring so you can keep the integrations elegant and working. My first question that I'd like to ask is what version of Terraform are you using right now? <laughs> nice one. Currently, we're using 0.14. Ah. It's not nice, I know, but since we use Terraform across the entire company, although there are you know, versions defined per uh, folder, which I can uh, elaborate in a bit, still we want to have like an aligned way of using Terraform. So that's why mostly we use Terraform 0.14, but some places are with 1.0. What's the latest version of Terraform right now? 1.4, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe 1.4. Why have you not gone from 0.14 to 1.0 and then beyond that? You know, as a system engineer in my background and now DevOps engineer, the thing is that we don't want to rock the boat too much if we don't have to. And when you want to upgrade is because there are security fixes or there are uh, features that you got to have. So we don't have that at the moment. We have not that basic models, but the versions that we have that we currently use fulfill our needs. So that's why we are not very eager to upgrade because there isn't like any holy grail feature that we got to have uh, in order to fulfill something that we want to implement a use case of some sort. So that's the reason. And, you know, there are a lot of things to, to do and uh, upgrades and stuff like that is usually something in the backlog, but I'm trying to push it because as long as the versions will be uh, progressed, then there will be a greater support for that version as opposed to older versions. So I'm trying to push, but company needs comes first and if there are new features that needs to be implemented, that this takes precedence. So when did you start using Terraform? 2000, let me think, 18. 2018. Yeah. So how has your use of Terraform evolved since 2018? Wow, uh, a lot. 
So at first I used Terraform as an ad hoc tool. So like I need to achieve this, I need to achieve that. And at first when I just started out, I thought, okay, this is what Terraform is for, right? But no, once I know evolved in my career and in my role, I understood that infrastructure should always evolve and scale because we want to allow projects to get introduced to our day-to-day in, in for the company. And in order to allow projects to introduce, we need to allow the tools to make that happen. And Terraform allows you to do that because if you want to scale your infrastructure, you need to w- use Terraform in a way that will allow you to do that. So for example, if I want to create a machine as opposed to several machines, ad hoc is just create a resource, mm-hmm. but infrastructure scaling is to create a module that will allow you to recreate uh, machines all over again with a single module call. So that's the thing. You need to use it in a way that will allow you to scale up as much as you can. And scale back. Of course. Right. Was that the initial reason for it? Like, was Wix at a point of high growth in 2018? Was the company just beginning? I don't know how old the company is. Actually, I joined Wix just a year ago. Oh, you you joined it a year ago. Yeah. So I used Terraform in my two previous companies. And then when I joined, I saw that everything is very well maintained and implemented here. And it was very good to know because that's the reason why I joined Wix. They have a very good engineering group and department. So that's why I joined because I want to work with the best. And then when I saw that it actually got implemented as, as I thought it would be, then I'm like, okay, that's good. I don't have too much to refactor or too much things to change because the infrastructure for Terraform and Terraform as a platform, as I like to say it, was already there. So I can just use it in the best way possible. So what is that best way possible that you want to use Terraform? There are ways to structure your Terraform code base. You can do it with a lot of things. You can use workspace. You can uh, avoid using workspaces. But you want to use it in a way that will allow everyone to use it in your company. You want to onboard new teams to use Terraform as well. And to do it in a way that each individual has its own way of doing things. And you don't want to allow that too much. You want to give them independence, but you want to make sure the code will be in a high quality state and follow some standards. So that way, it's actually something that I cover in my talk at HashiConf as well, is that you can structure the telephone code base in a way that will allow onboarding of new teams because of the how you structure the code base. So you can start with the root tree level would be team, name, and then project, and then the cloud provider, and then the region. And that way, there is a new team that created in the company, no problem. You just create a new folder, and then they basically reuse the same models that they are already there in the code base. And also, there's something else that I'm covering, which is called uh, practices enforcement, which we use GitHub Actions to do all sort of things. For example, I want to make sure that every developer or DevOps engineer that creates something in the cloud has tags uh, attached to it, right? Because we want to make sure cost management is in control and we can uh, follow up on things. And sometimes people forget to add tags. So if there are practices enforcement in place, like we do have, then it means that a PR, when I open a PR, a pull request on GitHub, then the PR will fail if I didn't add DAGs, for example. Okay. So you can do whatever you want. Any guidelines that you feel is best for your company with this practice enforcement. And that's why we set it up to make sure that it doesn't matter how many people are using Terraform. Since they use the same uh, code base like we do and the practices enforcement are in place, then we are at ease that they use it in guardrails, basically, to make sure that they use it in the best way possible. So you're using it for team onboarding, 
as one use for it. I mean, it allows you to kind of get more people onto it pretty easily. Right. You're using GitHub Actions mm-hmm. with it. What are some of the other use cases that you're using Terraform for? For example, what are some of the integrations that you that you have with other third parties that fit into the architecture? We have Terraform to create the infrastructure. And then when I open a PR, we have integration with Atlantis, which is an open source tool for a PR automation for Terraform. So I open a PR, uh, Atlantis automatically runs in the background and runs Terraform plan. I see the plan, everything looks good. Then I do Atlantis apply, doing the, you know, the GitHub comments. And then two things happen. Both the Terraform apply gets happening and it gets implemented and the resources get created in the cloud, but also the side branch gets merged to main. And why is it important? Because it prevents drifts. And if you only use Terraform in a, in a remote execution way like we did, then it means that you have no drifts and no uh, differences between what you have in the code as opposed to what you have in the actual environment because no one uh, ran it uh, like outside of the remote execution. What is Atlantis then? Open source tool for Terraform pull request automation. Okay, okay. Do you use any other integrations, for instance, with other uh, third-party vendors? Do you host your own? Do you use a cloud service? Yeah, we uh, we host uh, our resources and all our infrastructure on AWS. Okay. Also on some occasions on uh, GCP, but mostly on AWS. So we use, of course, the AWS provider on Terraform to create everything on AWS. But other than that, tools, not so much. Only the Atlantis one. Okay, great. So what are some of the pitfalls you found in using Terraform? Okay, so Terraform has its own timeout, which you can define, but most people, I think that most people don't define it. So if you create resources that will make Terraform wait for the API call to get happening, if I create a VM that rely on spot instances to to happen and spot instances rely on the price that I pay for, for the host, then... If the price wasn't right, I need to wait and wait and wait. So when I just started out with Terraform, I did Control-C when Terraform apply ran, and it's not good. It will mess up your state. And I don't know if they fixed it by or not, or not, but this is a joke that I have on my talk that I don't want to find out. It could be very ugly to mess up your state like that because it's very hard to recover if you don't have a backup in place. So you should always treat Terraform state as like something you don't touch. You can have backups, that's good, but you don't change the state manually because it could get messy. So this is one example. Workspaces also, again, I'm talking about Terraform open source mainly. Terraform cloud and enterprise, of course, they have their own implementations and enhanced features. But in open source, Terraform workspace could be sometimes uh, tricky. Uh, And I used workspaces in my previous company. And how do you use workspaces with the CLI? Terraform workspace select X. Uh, like manually change this, the workspace. So if I forgot to do the switch, then I could potentially harm my production environment because I applied the telephone code on the wrong uh, workspace. So that's why we had a telephone CLI wrapper that did the switch of the work, workspaces for me to make sure that there are no human errors and I have the computer to worry about that. So there are things to be careful uh, when you work with Telephone to make sure that you really use it in a way that doesn't get back to you after it. So what's next for Wix using Terraform? Actually, I'm not sure if I can talk about it because I'm not sure if it's official or not. We are taking it to the next level and having Terraform more as a backend and have the UI will be a bit different and we have a different tool that 
will allow developers that don't know anything uh, about Terraform to still create Terraform code, which will get created in the background, but they have a very much simpler UI to do that. Why, why are you doing that? To allow even more people to use Terraform, and not only people that know Terraform code, because it is a language of its own, of course, if you think about developers, they write much more complex code, and so Terraform code could, should be easier for them. But some developers uh, don't want to learn or think, oh, it's too simple for them to grasp the differences between how to implement infrastructure code as opposed to application code. So we want to make things uh, easier for them. So these are application engineers and application developers and yeah. not necessarily platform engineers yeah. or DevOps teams. These are the people who are building out apps on the front end. Right. So if, for example, they built an application, they want to test it out and they need to deploy it, then we will allow them to do that through this UI and then apply it, destroy it afterwards because it's only a test. That way we enable them to progress and to move forward without having to wait for me to create the infrastructure for them. Excellent. Hila, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk. I will just add that I did watch your videos from HashiCorp in, in Europe, I believe, where you spoke, and I, I learned that you're a lead singer in a cover band, so that's pretty yeah. awesome. Thank you, thank <clears> you. So really we'd enjoyed. ask you to sing, but, you know, we'll, have, we'll maybe another time. No problem. Thanks. You can, if you check uh, my YouTube uh, channel, you can uh, find a lot of videos of me. Oh, great. All right. We'll have to find one of those and place it in the story. All right. Thank you so much, Hila. Thank you. Infrastructure enables innovation. HashiCorp provides consistent workflows to provision, secure, connect, and run any infrastructure for any application. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's one of the best ways you can help us grow this community, and we really appreciate your feedback. You can find the full video version of this episode on YouTube. Search for the new stack, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss any new videos. Thanks for joining us, and see you soon.